This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. All right. I bring greetings to you today from the state of Missouri. And I say thank you for coming uh, on this wonderful occasion to worship with us today. And may God bless you. And uh, I'm here ministering in several different churches around the area and the state. And uh, I've ministered to some of the groups within the church already. And we've had some wonderful times together and had some good altar calls and results. And a teenager came forward and accepted the Lord in the Filipino church Friday night. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. And some other results as far as that's concerned. And I had a wonderful, wonderful service with Coastal Assembly of God. Uh, Brother Pittman, if I can remember all these things that I'm supposed to be doing and saying, <laughs> praise God. But anyway, we've just had a wonderful time. We had a wonderful Pentecostal service at Coastal Assembly. And the power of God just came down in such a mighty way. And it was wonderful. And so uh, I want to get right into the Word of God. And we welcome the venue group with us and those who may be watching TV. And so we just invite you to turn with us. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of John in your Bibles. The Gospel of John. And we'll look at chapter 20 and verse 22. Chapter 20 and verse 22. And then we'll look at a couple of other verses real quickly. And trust that the Lord will make these real in our hearts and lives. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 22. Jesus uh, is dealing with his uh, apostles and commissioning them in this passage of scripture, but I just want to point out, and when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed upon with power from on high. Amen. And the familiar Pentecostal verse that all Pentecostals should know, Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not as somebody else gave them utterance, but as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm preaching to you on the subject today, the importance of our Pentecostal roots. The importance of our Pentecostal roots. Now it's evident throughout our Assemblies of God churches that we are not committed to being Pentecostal as we were in the beginning of this great latter-day outpouring 
of the Holy Ghost. I've been, the reason I say that is I've been in Pentecost, been Assemblies of God since 1939. I'll let you think about that a while. I'm not ancient, however. I was a boy of nine years old when my father uh, came into the Assemblies of God from another organization, and we've been in all, all of that time. I'm, I'm just a young 79. Amen. But the fire still burns. Amen. Therefore, my friends, we need to return to our Pentecostal roots and make sure that what we believe and teach is New Testament Christianity. May I tell you that our roots go back to the upper room where 120 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. In these latter days, our roots go back to a little mission called Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California, and also to the founding days of this great fellowship, the Assemblies of God, which took place in Hot Springs, Arkansas, 1914. Our doctrinal beliefs, our doctrinal beliefs have remained the same throughout our history, even to this present day. And I thank God that that's true. 16 fundamental doctrines of the assemblies of God, which are taken and confirmed by this book right here. Amen. Now, first, with that little introduction in mind, first of all, I want to tell you that experience speaks loud and clear. Experience speaks loud and clear. When we Pentecostals stand strong in our experiences, I like the way you shout. <laughs> Amen. We Pentecostals stand strong in our experiences. I've been saved by the power of the Lord. I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and I'm not ashamed of it. I've had the experience, my friend. You can't talk me out of it. It's real. You remember when the apostle Peter said, repent. That's the first thing you need to do is repent of your sins. Be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I may get excited, so don't get nervous because I get excited when I preach. May I tell you that Peter was speaking of experiences. One can join the church and accept its doctrinal beliefs, but that is not repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In other words, you can belong to every church in this whole area and still not be a born-again Christian. Notice that on the day of Pentecost, all, 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 emphasize all were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. And God intends that every believer will experience the same thing in these last days. 
divine healing, miraculous deliverance, and the casting out of devils was the experience of the New Testament church. Well, that was weak. Amen. It was stated by the Lord that these signs shall follow them that believe In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, if they shall be bitten by serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing unawares, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I love the positiveness of Jesus' words. Jesus said that believers would speak with other tongues. It was to be a sign of true Christians. Even if there were no other passages in the Bible about speaking in tongues, this one from Jesus would be sufficient. These same things, I believe, must be must once again be evident in our churches. People need to be saved. They need to be filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Divine healing by the anointing with oil and laying on of hands was to be a major part of Christian activity in the New Testament church. And so should it be in ours. Healing the sick was a major part of the Lord's ministry on earth. Now, if Jesus thought that he needed divine healing to support his ministry, how do we think we will succeed with anything less than that? Yes, my friends, the early church was experience-oriented, and Pentecostal Christians need to continue that same emphasis today. People need to be saved. People need to be saved and not just brought into the friendliness of our congregations. They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, not merely identify themselves with an Assemblies of God church. They need to be healed, not always ushered into Christian counseling to learn to cope with their disabilities. I believe in the God who is the great physician. I believe in the healer. You say, well, why wasn't your wife healed? I don't know. Ask the Lord. He's in charge. I want you to know I still believe in divine healing. I'll tell you one thing. She's healed forever now. Hallelujah. She don't have cancer anymore. She don't have any problems anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They need to be healed and not always ushered into Christian counseling. Yes, my friends, and some even now in these days have evil, foul spirits and they need to be cast out of them. But that demands power by the church. Amen. Number two, our Pentecostal heritage carries with it certain Pentecostal practices. 
Our Lord established two ordinances in the church, water baptism and communion. Water baptism is to follow repentance and is intended both as a ceremonial washing and as a personal identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any other pattern is wrong. Jesus gave the pattern for baptism in water. Amen? And he said, I want it done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I like the way you shout. Communion is the table of the Lord around which all Christians must meet and identify themselves with a broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. Now, these practices, follow me, please. The New Testament church practiced meeting together for spiritual worship and fellowship. And we are admonished not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and even so much the more as you see the day of God's wrath approaching. Amen. The services of the early church were intense meetings where the needs of the people were met by the miraculous power of God and the word of God was preached with authority. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Prayer and supplication were a vital part of the New Testament church as well. Prayer and supplication is prayer with earnest intensity and humility behind it. This form of earnest prayer is typically Pentecostal. Oh, I love it when we have corporate prayer and everybody raises their voice and prays out as if no one else is in the building but them. Glory to God. That's a wonderful thing and we need that today. We need to pray corporately. We need our private prayer time. We need to have a daily time with the Lord. Somebody help me preach. We need to, if you don't have a private prayer time, why not? And if you don't, you need it. And, and when you learn to do that, your day will go better and the life will go better and your job will be better and you'll like people better if you spend some time with the Lord in prayer privately. You need a private prayer time. I, I, I love to open my day with prayer and, and worship to the Lord. And I like to spend half of my prayer time in thanksgiving and the other half in petition and request. We sometimes are like the fellow I heard about, uh, you know, just run in and say, bless me, my wife, my son John, his wife, and us four no more. Goodbye, God, I'll see you later. Amen. Amen. But we need that private prayer time where we're alone with God and we talk with God, but we give him time to talk with us. Number three, Holy Ghost anointed preaching was certainly evident in that New Testament church. I'm going to drive that by you one more time. I said Holy Ghost anointed preaching was certainly evident in the early church. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, my friends, and 3,000 souls came forward and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ and became a member of the church of the Lord. Hallelujah. Whoa, that was a church in itself. (laughs) Glory to God. Stephen preached and his hearers were cut to heart. 
Paul preached wherever he went. Paul said, preaching must be in demonstration of the Spirit's power. I need to be careful. (laughs) But when a man stands in the pulpit, I want him to preach. I don't want him to just stand up there and lecture me. I want him to preach. Amen? Teaching is good, but I want him to preach and teach while he preaches. (laughs) Amen. And my friends, we need some old-time Holy Ghost anointed, wonderful, powerful preaching in the church of Jesus Christ today. We're getting so intellectual that we we can't seem to let the Holy Ghost do his work through us. We need an old-fashioned anointing of God that will come upon us and remove us out of our comfort zone and and flow through us with power like we've never felt before in all of our lives. I want to tell you something else. The other early church believed and gave believed in and gave altar calls. You see, it only makes sense, my friends, that sermons that call for action should provide an opportunity for hearers to respond. Why preach about salvation and then go give no one a chance to come and get saved? And the baptism of the Holy Ghost and other things as well. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. You see, the early church did not have church sanctuaries and pulpits or altar benches as we do today. Nevertheless, in their meetings, they repented of their sins. They were baptized. They experienced the wind and the fire of the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. They left the room or felt the room shake under them. Whoop, glory to God. I wish this building had start vibrating right. Woo, glory to God. I wish this... I wish for the power of God to sit, to enter this building right now and literally vibrate the floor under you until you know what the power of God is all about. Glory to God. They confronted sin and deception and they received God's direction for their lives. Are you here? Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. The church, my friends, in those early days, and that the church service, rather, was a dynamic event in which spirit-filled people met with God and expected supernatural things to happen. They weren't just pew fillers. They expected something supernatural to happen when they came. Number five, water baptism and communion were practiced in the New Testament church, and I've already mentioned that, but I'll say again, my friend, we must take seriously the ordinances of baptism and communion and treat them with the degree of respect that they deserve. Amen? Number six, the New Testament church practiced the ministry of healing, and they cast out devils. Hallelujah. So great were the manifestations of the power of God that people were healed in the streets as the shadow of Peter fell across them. Now, I always say, you know, if Peter was alive today and he was advertised to, to preach, you know, in, in a certain city, whatever, they would, they would put up big banners all over the place and say, come and see and hear the shadow preacher. I like the way you shout. Amen? Glory to God. Number seven, my friends, 
Well, let me back up a moment and, and tell you something. You see, I believe in the power of God to cast out devils. And so I ask the question almost every time that I preach along these lines. Do you, do you really believe that there are people in the world today that, have, that are demon-possessed? Well, then we need something to happen. Then we need some power to cast out devils when he shows himself. I was in Sulphur, Louisiana one time at a fellowship meeting and I, the, the preacher gave an altar call and some, uh, a young man went to the altar among others and he'd just gotten back from Vietnam. And when he went down to the altar, I, just, I thought, well, I'll go down and pray with him. And so I knelt on one side of him facing the platform and another preacher knelt on the other side of him and a, a quite large preacher knelt in front of him and we were praying for him. And he had gotten into dope and all of the kinds of stuff you can get into in those circumstances. And I want you to know that all of a sudden I just looked at him and in his ear and I said, Say Jesus. Say, say Jesus. And he just got went into contortions and went into a vehement reaction. And all of a sudden, my friends, he he took that big man, that large man and picked him up with one hand and throwed him against the platform. The power of the devil came upon him and exposed himself and manifested himself through that man. And then, and then he started backing away from those of us at that altar and backing away and, and slithering himself as he went to the wall and hit the wall on the other side and slid down on his on his uh, all fours or whatever you want to say and, and just or rather sat down there and as he when he started that at that I got up and I followed him and I said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ come out of him Glory to God, hallelujah. And I want you to know when he hit that wall and he slithered down, I fell right on top of him and I said, say the name of Jesus. You say Jesus now. In the name of Jesus, you repeat it after me. Jesus, Jesus. But there's power in that name. There's power in that name. There's power in that name. Hallelujah. And when I got, finally I heard him just very, very, whisperly he said Jesus I said say it again he said Jesus I said say it again he said Jesus I said say it again he said Jesus help me (laughs) and the devil left him at the name of Jesus (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah Glory to God. Well, bless the Lord. Number seven. Isn't that a good number, seven? I like that number. The New Testament church believed in and preached the soon return of the Lord, more commonly called the second coming. I must tell you that the word second coming is two phases, rapture and revelation. Okay, but we we call it the second coming, even just referring to the rapture, and that's okay. We haven't done theology any damage. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anyway, I believe in the second coming of the Lord. He's coming again. I said he's coming again. I'm going to tell you something, mister. We're, we're closer now than we've ever been. I said we're closer now than we've ever been. I've heard it all my life. My dad was a preacher. I've heard it all my life that Jesus is coming again. And I'm still preaching it. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he is coming. And I believe that the church needs to proclaim that message more than almost any other message that I know of because that's the message we need to hear to prepare us for his coming again. Glory to God. He's coming back for those who are ready for him. Oh, no, my friends, all of the church, quote, unquote, all the church is not going to go up in the rapture. What are you saying, Brother Hunley? Only a remnant. A small segment that will be ready for the rapture of the church. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, but he that's doing the will of my Father. Amen. Just because you go to church three times a week don't make you ready for the rapture. It takes more than that. It takes a walk with God. It takes a a serious, determined uh, purpose in your heart that I'm not letting anything of this world enter my life because I want to meet the Lord. I want to meet the Lord when he comes. I want to be in the remnant. Glory to God. I want to be in the remnant. Glory to God. And by the grace of Almighty God, I'm going to be in the remnant. Somebody say amen. Number three, what should be our priorities in the light of these things? I'll give them to you quickly. We should fast and pray until the entire body of believers are filled with the Holy Ghost. They Notice what my text said. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not part of them, not just a few of them, you know, not just two or three of them, but they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I kind of think like that there's a whole bunch here that needs what I'm preaching. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to get saved first, but then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And the initial evidence, again, I'm going to keep hammering it, is speaking with other tongues. And if you haven't spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, you don't have the Holy Ghost. Now, you have the Spirit of the Lord when you get saved because you can't get saved without the Spirit drawing you. You have Him, but that's not baptism in the Spirit. That's the Spirit of salvation. The Spirit of saving grace. But then we need to take that next deeper step and get full of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, come now and fill us. (laughs) Come now and fill us, Lord. Hallelujah. You can get us sitting right where you are if you just get in tune. Get your minds off of your dinner and get your mind off of where you're going the rest of Sunday and get your mind on God. He could fill you while I'm preaching. He could fill you while you're sitting there worshiping God. 
Glory to God. I've had people to get filled, stand up in my church and get filled with the Holy Ghost when I would be ministering in song. Woo. Talk about it. Talk about it. I can handle that. Amen. We should make prayer a top priority. We've already talked. We should make sure that reaching the lost and leading them into a personal experience with the Lord is a strong priority. If you go to heaven by yourself, that's cheap salvation. I'm going to drive that one by you one more time. I said, if you go to heaven all by yourself, that's cheap salvation. You need to take somebody with you. You know people that this pastor and and Pastor Larry and this pastoral staff don't know. You need to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them what the Lord can do for you. You need to bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen. Businessman in in a certain church uh, called his pastor up one day and said, Pastor, come quick. I've got a man ready to accept the Lord. I want you to come and lead him on in to to a, a saving grace. He said, The pastor just said, lead him there yourself. Bye. Amen. God calls you. Every one of you are called of God. Oh, you may not be called a priest. You'll appear on the platform, but you've been called to witness. You've been called to tell others about what God has done for you. Well, I just, I don't know what to say. Say what's in your heart. Say what the Holy Ghost says to say. Tell them what the Lord's done for you, and he can do the same for them. I'm going to say amen over here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But we must never forget the priority again of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, he's coming. I said he's coming. I said he's coming. Oh, I can't emphasize that enough. The Lord is coming, and I want to see my loved ones again. Hallelujah. Last of all, our heart cry should be for Bible-based Pentecostal revival. Let me say it again. Our heart cry should be for Bible-based Pentecostal revival. May I tell you this morning that there is no middle ground between being Pentecostal and relating to some other form of Christianity. We must not even attempt to be marginally Pentecostal for there are no biblical options short of full commitment to the original model. Amen. We must not allow, hear me, we must not allow the critics the compromisers, or the confused to talk us out of our Pentecostal faith. We must not allow the counterfeits and the charlatans and the frauds who have abused and made a mockery of Pentecostal power to deter us from doing what we ought to do and being what we ought to be. Amen. We must not join those debilitating last day forces who the Apostle Paul described as having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There is one true Christianity and that is original apostolic New Testament Pentecostal Christianity. 
I have it in my Bible. I'll write it the book of Acts. The Lord started the church like he wanted it, full of the Holy Ghost. Get that? The Lord started the church like he wanted it, full of the Holy Ghost. That's in the book of Acts, chapter 2. I read it to you. They were all filled. That started the New Testament church. And the Lord started the church like he wanted it, full of the Holy Ghost. And now he wants the church like he started it, full of the Holy Ghost. And may God help us to pray until we are all full of the Holy Ghost. Tongues is not everything. That's only the beginning. You just started on the path of glorious power when you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Amen. You see, my friends, I believe that for too long the church has sat seething in the melting pot of this world. Got quiet, didn't it? I want to drive that by you one more time. For too long the church has sat seething in the melting pot of this world, becoming ever softer year after year and taking on the flavor of the world's ungodly stew. I believe it's time to get the church out of the world and the world out of the church. Give the Lord praise. I said it's time to get the world out of the church and the church out of the world. Come on. Never before have we faced a greater need for a generation of revived, restored, and radical revolutionaries for Jesus Christ than we face today. Amen. Brother, we need a revival. We need an old-fashioned revival. Heaven-born, God-sent, devil-chasing, Holy Ghost-anointed revival. Sin, sin. Glory to God. We need a revival that will shake us from center to circumference until our lives are changed and we live differently than we've ever lived before in our lives. And if you haven't been changed in your lifestyle, your lifestyle hasn't changed, you need another trip to the altar. And if you've slacked off with this wonderful experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need a refilling. There's a lot of things out there in the world that will sap your victory. You can leave church, and before you get home, you've lost it. The kids will drag it out of you, if nothing else. (laughs) You can have a glorious service and feel good, and oh, Lord, bless me. He did. On the way home, the kids are fussing and fighting, and they want to go to McDonald's, and you don't. First thing you know, you've lost the victory that you gained in church. (laughs) You know I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Or the wife fusses at you. (laughs) I remember one time, I got to tell this quickly. I remember one time Larry, Pastor Larry was, he was preaching in what they call an outstation 
church and Bible school, you know, they go out for practice. They practiced, you know, by preaching in these small churches. And on the way home, Tanya proceeded to tell him how bad he did that day. <laughs> oh, friend. She said, Mama, I learned that that was the, not the proper time to deal with that subject. <laughs> So even the preacher and his wife can get out of sorts on the way home, lose a little of the victory. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get you. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm sure that on the way home today, everything's going to be lovely. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. In conclusion, there is no such thing as being a little Pentecostal. If you're going to be Pentecostal, accept it wholeheartedly and completely, but don't adopt a Pentecostal style without a commitment to Pentecostal power. And I love the way you're helping me. But if you want to hear a man preach, help him like you're, help him like, like you're helping me. It, say an amen to a preacher, to a Pentecostal preacher is like saying, sick him to a bulldog. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, you've never, I know you've never heard anything like this. <laughs> My friends, we cannot just decide to be Pentecostal because it is more than a choice, it's an experience. Only with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost will we be able and will we ever experience real revival in our hearts and in our churches. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. Do you want what I've preached here this morning? Do you want the church to be Pentecostal? It takes the congregation as well as the staff and these wonderful singers and musicians. It takes takes you. It takes you too. And if you long for it and Seek for it. God will reward you. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your help today. I thank you for the anointing that I feel in this service. I thank you, Lord, for the power of Pentecost. But, Lord, there may be some here today that need to be saved before they can even think about experiencing this wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. But Lord, I want, to, I want you to just touch their hearts today. Someone here, Lord, may need salvation. They need to be forgiven of their sins. Would you touch them, Lord, and draw them to these altars today and help them to cry out, Lord, save me, save me. I want to be your child. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.